On a very good afternoon on this Monday. It is March 21st. Good afternoon and welcome. And and of course, uh, today is day one of the masking mandate being lifted here in the province of Ontario. And we're going to begin this uh, second hour with the now outgoing head of the Ontario Science Table. Here joining us once again is Dr. Peter Uni. And Dr. Uni, first off, uh, congratulations on the announcement late last week on your new adventure. Uh, You're heading to Oxford University. Yes, indeed. Yes, thanks a lot. Yeah, can you tell us a bit about it? Uh, What's it all going to entail, this uh, new job? Yeah, well, we'll see. This this is, uh, you know, the Nuffield Department of Population Health, which is a great department for uh, for clinical trials. Um, The head of department there and now um, his uh, his colleague, Richard Pito, who is uh, meanwhile 78, they're both still hanging around uh, and they were basically my rock stars when I was a medical student. They published this extremely important paper in 1989. And, uh, you know, now roughly how much is this? This is crazy. <laughs> yeah. 36 or no, th- well, more. Uh, yeah. Th- yeah. So, so, so uh, really just so many years later, I end up in their department uh, and they basically created a, a professorship, you know, with a team for me. I have full academic freedom. I can start to build up uh, what, wherever I want to go. And um, it, uh, you know, it's, it was a really generous offer what they did there. And uh, it's, of course, also combined with the fact that it allows us to, uh, you know, be closer to our family. My parents, my wife's parents are getting older. Two out of the four actually were quite severely ill during the pandemic, not COVID, something else. Two of our kids are there. We're a blended family. So, you know, the uh, two older ones are uh, in uh, Switzerland right now. So it, it is probably the right move at the right time. Now that we're a bit more in the letting go phase of the pandemic, you know, that it's also probably time for me to let go of this role and, uh, you know, find a new way where I probably can take it a bit easier for a little time. All right. I know you're on uh, for the next uh, couple of months. You're not leaving us right away, but uh... As you kind of uh, look towards the future, your new role at Oxford, and you look back on your time with the science table, is there something that really stands out for you that you're going to remember the most, do you think? Oh, it's the population of Ontario. It's the people. This was amazing. You know, um, first of all, look, if, if, uh, I couldn't be more grateful for the opportunity that my, that my small kids had, you know, who are eight and ten, to experience the diversity here in Toronto and not to have the same burden that I took with me when I just grew up in a predominantly Caucasian environment in Switzerland, you know, that they just basically, they don't even understand something like xenophobia, you know, it's wonderful. But the same sort of diversity and tolerance, etc. That's also what probably was the secret of the success that Ontario had. We should all be really proud of what we together actually achieved. We did so much better than uh, most Western jurisdictions in the Northern Hemisphere, so much. We sacrificed a lot, but what we actually got out of that, that's, I mean, this is remarkable. Yeah, and, and I see that again and again. That's really important to realize this is more than just the ordinary. Yeah, and I just wanted to say uh, on a personal note, thank you, uh, not only for your expertise, but also uh, your time. You've been so available to us, our show, and I know the vast uh, majority of uh, media, and I know that there's a 
a lot of responsibilities that, that come with that, and that's uh, you know very onerous uh, on your time. So I just wanted to thank you uh, for that over the past uh, year and a half or so, Doctor. Uh, you're very welcome. You know, the point there is only if we continuously are on the same page, which includes that you ask me critical questions or stuff that you don't get, etc. Only if we're on the same page, um, it will work out. Because in the end, if 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 uh, the people just say, "Oh, we don't understand" or "we don't care," then exactly nothing will happen. You no, know? and therefore, you know, from my perspective, this was always. Uh, you know, just public health in action. What I typically did when I was still, you know, uh, a clinician and uh, was, was uh, you know, when I was talking to patients, I saw that very similarly to that part, you know, just uh, sometimes in difficult situation, what is needed is just straight talk, but, you know, with a soft attitude. All right. Well, let's have a little straight talk, if we could, about day one of the masking mandate being lifted then. And Dr. Uni, what is your message for everyone listening right now when it comes to navigating this uh, new normal uh, starting uh, today and moving forward? Well, we dropped the mask mandates, but don't yet drop the masks all the time. That's all. No? So if we take it slow and uh, basically just make sure that whenever we're in doubt, oh, is this really safe? We wear a mask. And, you know, wear masks still uh, as a default if it doesn't mean too much of trouble for us. If we encourage our kids, that's my biggest concern right now in school to still wear masks for a little bit longer. We're not talking about months here, just a few weeks. Just take it easy that we don't have a transition that is like, you know, transition with a light switch. That's all. No? Then um, I would hope and that's also what our modeling shows. Things will work relatively well. Well, sorry, um, the, you know, Ontario typically has shown a dynamic response, people here. We saw that last um, at the end uh, of, the, of the year with the Omicron wave. It was actually people themselves with their behavior that were, you know, just slowing down the growth. And uh, so that we reached the peak then early January and then the public health measures then helped to bring numbers down. That's for sure the case. But it just shows you how reliable and how solidaric actually people here are. So if you just do that again a bit and just say, okay, you know, a little bit longer, we still wear masks here and there, we, you know, slowly take it easier. We had assumptions, you know, uh, and, so, and some example scenarios that we used for our modeling. If you just increase your average amount of contacts, not those who already go to parties, but people like me, you know, by 40% and think that half of these contacts should still be with a mask, that, you know, during the next few weeks, that gives you a bit of a hunch. That's what we used when we just uh, modeled, you know, the uh, the behavior with a little bit of a bump again with hospitalizations, etc. Mm -hmm. So it should a little bit look like that. And the other part we can continuously do, of course, is get vaccinated, get the third dose now. If you have had two doses plus an Omicron infection, the third dose will now give you much more still of a reliable, consistent protection. Yeah. Are you concerned at all, just back to the masking mandate here briefly, but are you concerned at all, Dr. Uni, moving forward, that the removal of this uh, mandate will have people feeling that the pandemic is over, that we're going to become maybe a little too relaxed? Oh, this may be the case for some people, but I don't think that this is us, you know. That's the mistake that the Swiss just made a few weeks ago, 17th of February. Uh, the the uh, minister said, okay, we lift all the mandates. They only have masks now in public transport and in hospitals, if I uh, remember that correctly. And then people really just completely shifted. If you do that, um, you know, we could see 
quite a lot of uh, case growth again, but I, this is not us. That's not how people reacted in the past. And I wouldn't see it this way. And if we actually just do that slowly, you know, think of, I use this metaphor sometimes uh, uh, in uh, when I give interviews and off this, you have, you just caught this wild bird in your hand and you just have your hand closed now. And now what you want to do, you want to basically just open your hand very slowly so that you open the hand without the bird flying away, just slowly. That's what we want to do with this part of the pandemic. All right, just finally, I wanted to ask you about uh, two new studies that are looking into long COVID. The University of Cambridge, uh, their study uh, continues to look at memory and concentration impairments. Uh, what more do we know about that when it comes to long COVID? Look, it's a problem. And it's also one of the challenges, you know, that I see right now with Omicron. We don't know yet how Omicron and us who are vaccinated actually then will behave regarding long COVID. I hope that we're really well protected and I believe it will be the case for most of us. But if people have had um, um, a, a COVID with any of the variants so far, they have probably a 10 to 25 and perhaps even 30% risk of long COVID. And what worried me most always, you know, also with my job that I needed to do for the science table was, uh, you know, the brain fog and, you know, the, the mental aspects. And we have just a lot more data, imaging data, you know, follow-up data coming, you know, from different studies, all pointing towards the same stories. We should not underestimate that part, you know, memory difficulties, more depression, uh, you know, increased addiction even, etc. There's quite a lot that is out there and the pattern is not completely clear, but we should not underestimate that. And this is not, you know, if people then think, oh, trivialize, it's just, you know, it's not real or so. We even see that in imaging studies. So I think what is important is just to continue to take that seriously and protect as many people as we can with three doses of a vaccine. Now make it out of this wave without, you know, just with infecting those people that, you know, just get infected without a new really strong wave. That's important. So that we just can keep unnecessary infections at a minimum. That's the idea. If you let it slip like uh, the, uh, or rip like the Danes, for example, you know, what then happens in these situations is, you basically just see an explosive growth until roughly that's what happened in Denmark and Iceland. And that's also what, what uh, you know, one of the models I run show roughly in the situation we are, you need to, even if you have good vaccination rollout, you need to have about 45% of the population infected before you reach the peak. If you reach such a high peak, it's a very long way down the hill unless you're down. Mm -hmm. And this means all these people down, that's all those who are unnecessarily infected. We don't do it this way here. We broke the wave early. And uh, now we're really just quite low. And now if we go up a bit, what we just want to reach is a high plateau until we probably have reached about 45% of the population infected. And then we start to see it go down. And then we don't have a lot of unnecessary infections. And for me, that's important also, you know, personally, this means at the population level, we just minimize the risk of long COVID. All right. I got to leave it there. I know you've got a few weeks left, but thanks again, Dr. Uni, for your time on the science table. And as always, your time here with us this afternoon. Much appreciated. Thanks a lot. Dr. Peter Uni. And we're back after this. You're listening to The Jeff MacArthur Show.
Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.